Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast with Piet Coleman and Travis Stone. Good evening from Prague and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow from the History of Alchemy Podcast. When I say the word Casanova, what usually comes to mind? An 18th century ne'er-do-well? An Italian Lothario? Perhaps a brazen ladies' man living a life of indulgences and excess? Well, I don't think you would have to be too far from the truth with any of those observations of the historical figure we're going to talk about tonight. Giacomo Casanova. Casanova's exploits are well known in his own time, and his reputation survives today in our own lexicon and in a legendary mythos. The connection to the Bohemian podcast is actually a strong one. Casanova spent his last remaining years in Bohemia, Dukes, or what is known today as the Dukov Chateau, located about 8 kilometers from Livnov in the northern Bohemia part of the Czech Republic. He served as a librarian at the Count of Waldstein's household, where he also wrote the story of his life called the Hista de Ma Vie, the story of his life, history of his life. So the man we talk of in pop culture, or the form he takes in modern life from historic memory, is somewhat different than the real man himself, an 18th century Italian man prone to making mistakes of youth, a man with a gambling habit, and a self-effacing person with insecurities. Yet as we find out in his memoirs, he also lives up to his legend as a connoisseur of good food, an adventurer, and a lover of women. I saw his house in Venice. You've been to Venice, right? Yeah, I've been to Venice. You like, saw he, his house? He's been everywhere. Was... Literally. Every, everywhere. <laughs> and in every bed. Um, he, there's a lot of things in history we don't, we, we, we don't know about Casanova other than his memoirs because he was forgotten about. Right after his death, he was forgotten about. Everybody knew him while he was alive. He was everywhere. Everybody wanted to be, have him at their dinner table uh, to talk about his you know, his adventures and all his conquests because he was great entertainment. But as soon as he died, his memory just kind of went off to nowhere. Uh, no one really knew about him. His memoir is the only thing that came back to light, and people are saying, wow, this is really um, heavy reading. It's, it's, it's hard to get through because it's very sen- sensational. Um, we're going to try to try to G-rate some of this today, but i got to tell you, doing the research, this guy kind of creeps me out a little bit. <laughs> he had some sexual issues. Let's just put it that way. Casanova was recognized by his contemporaries as an extraordinary person, a man of far-ranging intellect and curiosity. Casanova was one of the foremost chroniclers of his age. He was a true adventurer, traveled excessively across Europe from one end to the other in search of fortune, seeking out the most prominent people of his time to help out with his cause. He was by vocation and avocation a lawyer, a clergyman, a military officer, a violinist, a con man, a pimp, 
a gourmand, a dancer. Travis, maybe you can continue. A businessman, a diplomat, a spy, a politician, a medic, a mathematician, social philosopher, cabalist, playwright, writer, and a man about town. <laughs> a man about town. His true occupation was living largely on his quick wits, steely nerves, luck, social charm, and the money given to him in gratitude and by trickery. So think about him in a sense of grafting from one important person to another <laughs> and able to kind of make a life of that. Uh, telling, Like we said, telling stories, making up his own background, and um, kind of grafting his way across Europe. Casanova wrote what is considered to be the first ever science fiction novel. And he also translated Homer's Iliad and Odyssey into Italian. However, most of his written work was done in French, as he felt it was wider used language than his native Italian. You'll also see, creepier. You'll see that in his memoirs. He didn't write it in his native Italian, he wrote it in yeah. French. All right? He wanted everybody to read this book at some point. There is ego with this man, ladies and gentlemen, and you'll see that uh, through the course of this program tonight. Casanova was well-versed in the Kabbalah, the mystic interpretation of the Jewish law. He dabbled in the occult and knew his way around the inner circles of Prague, where such knowledge base was still to be sought out. Casanova took some 116 lovers in his lifetime, again in his memoirs, we're talking about this. By his own account in his memoirs, this included at least one nun and his own daughter, Leonelda. Good job. Okay, so maybe this is the point where we need to talk about this, because... Let's just not. The, I, There's no way to come back from this. This stopped me in my tracks during the research. I said, that's in, that's incestuous, for one. If, if Too wrong. If you go into detail, it doesn't get better. I know. Because he... It just doesn't get better. Let's just... Let's not. Uh, I know... I, I think we need to at least give an idea, because it it's, tells you a little bit about how his Casanova sort of operates here. All right, so keep in mind, he met this Italian woman and her husband, who was impotent, uh, at one point during a dinner party on his way to Rome. All right, he had relations with this married woman, didn't know he got her pregnant. Fast forward about 16 years, 17 years later, he's in the same town. He winds up meeting this duke. This duke is telling him about, oh, you got to come to dinner. You're the famous Casanova. I want to introduce you to my wife. He sees his wife, and he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's the same woman that he had relations with some 16 years ago by the name of Lucrezia. Now, Lucrezia um, really loved Casanova. And, he, and you have to notice about Casanova. He didn't just jump into bed and just, you know, had his jollies and left. He, as he says himself, his heart was involved. His heart was involved with every conquest that he had. So he, at times he would weep that when he left. That makes him so much better. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a Lothario with oh, a heart of, I heart of gold. I forgive him, then. <laughs> I know. Jeez. All right, so here's, here's the part that gets, well, if it hasn't gotten gross already, folks, it's going to get grosser. All right, so what happens is, is that he notices a 16-year-old daughter who's giving him the eye at, at, at the uh, theater. After talking to the Duke, he realizes the Duke tells him that this girl is not really his blood daughter. And... Casanova starts thinking, well, is it possible she could be my daughter? And the Duke says, yeah, anything's possible. The, the woman he had this affair with some 16 years ago confirms that, that it is his daughter. And he feels mortified that he's had these feelings of flirtation with his daughter. Okay. All right. Well, you've got to struggle to get through this. I've got to keep my lunch down. All right. So what happens at this point is that the stepfather says, you know, if this is only rules of, of civility, it's only rules of man, it's not bad if you really want to go after this. 
um, you know, the, the, the heart wants what the heart wants, all right? Basically, Casanova gets over his problems of this incestuous sort of feelings, and he gets together with his daughter, knowingly. After he was told. Yep. Knowingly. Yep. Does it get any worse than that, Coleman? Uh, a little bit. Um, she winds up marrying a well-to-do man, and he's actually at the wedding. He gives uh, a lot of money to, uh, as a, almost like a dowry, because remember, he's kind of like the dad. Um, and then, <laughs> and then actually has another bit of relations with her before he leaves town. Wait, can, what after, do you, what after do you mean? she gets married. There's other parts of the story that I refuse to so mention anyways, on the air. So Casanova was an adventurer who visited the <laughs> finest cities of his day. Just keep going. Yeah, so we're going to move on from that. But I he, want you to know that this guy, he had some issues. And in his <laughs> memoirs, to give him credit, i got to give him credit someplace. To give him credit, he, he's not just being boastful over his conquests or exploits. He says the bad with the good. He says yeah, the bad with the yeah. good. And he gives out a very ugly viewpoint of his insati insatiable lust that he had. And the bad decisions that he made, as he said, quote unquote, in decisions of youth. Anyways, yeah. So he went to places like Madrid, St. Petersburg, Moscow, London, Prague, Istanbul, Paris, London, and Venice. Right. So, and, and Prague, of course, it brings him closer to the Bohemian podcast sphere uh, that we talk about on, on this uh, podcast, but more so to the fact that a little further up from Prague, in the northern part of, of what is now Czech Republic, to the Chateau Dukov, which is now in the employ of Count Wallenstein of Bohemia. So keep in mind, here is Casanova. And in his younger life, he is sitting at the tables of the most important people that you can think of in Europe, from popes to counts and, 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 and dukes and uh, all, the, all, the, all the folks you can think of. And, and especially when he's, his time here in Prague, while in Bohemia, Casanova vi was visited by the German poet Goethe, which, Travis, you, we just did we a podcast. Just did a show talked on about Faust, yeah. How important Goethe was. Um, and he also helped Mozart finish his opera, Don Giovanni, or Don Juan, as we know. Again, Don Juan and Casanova, <laughs> yeah. those go hand in hand, right? Ahead of this premiere in Prague at the time. He was also in witness to the coronation of Emperor Leopold II in 1791. All this being said, these are wonderful memories that he had in Bohemia. But the rest of his time among the Czech people, especially in Dux, or what is known now, now today as the Chateau Dukov, uh, was a very difficult life. Mm -hmm. So imagine an older, more weathered, maybe STD-ridden Casanova, <laughs> as some people said he was, is now trying to find a way just to kind of live out his life. And this was very common for a lot of these men. Travis... Paint me a picture of his later life. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I think this is kind of ties into why he wasn't known when he died. Because he went from, it wasn't really a fall from grace so much, but, you know, definitely a big change in his later life. In fact, what Count Waldstein of Bohemia wanted from him, or what he employed him in as, was a librarian, which seems weird to me. So he's, he didn't do a whole lot other than categorizing the thousands of books in the Count's collection. At that time, he never got along with the staff of the estate, mainly because his fading fame, you know, and not wanting to speak the language of the area, which was German at the time, and he hated the sound of German, and this kind of made things tough for his time in Bohemia. His talents were in conversation and recounting the tales of his life. He's a storyteller. And all of this would not kind of translate well into German with the same, you know, his sort of sense of humor and insight and that sort of thing. And so the, the other members of the estate, like the other kind of help, would insult him in various ways. The cooks would purposefully ignore his Italian cuisine recommendations 
The maid staff would mock him openly. The rest of the servants would find cause to start argument with him. It was just not a really great life or, or working environment for Casanova. It was definitely an ego check, you know. I mean, just everyone around him kind of putting him in, in his place. And, you know, keeping in mind, Travis, these really important people were sought out by these well-to-do dukes and potentates because they added some kind of level of entertainment. They were entertainers, exactly. You know, yeah. and so, so I don't think at this point Casanova could be picky. I mean, he was late in his life. Not many people knew of his exploits anymore. They all had died off. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, you know what? I need a place to write my memoirs. This will be the last thing I do before I die. I can live at least a little bit of life of luxury while I'm here doing a basic librarian status. And I, I can, you know, not be homeless. And so he had to stick this out, even though it was probably a very difficult, you know, fall from grace for him in some, in some yeah, ways. Yeah, imagine if you're the guest of European royalty, popes, cardinals... You're known by Voltaire, Goethe, and Mozart, like you mentioned. You also, we mentioned in the episode on the Count of St. Germain in the History of Alchemy show, that History of uh, St. Germain was another one of these, nothing really to him. You know, it was probably a, fake, a noble, uh, probably a fake noble title, but still, he was just a good storyteller. And so people would invite him to court, and, and, um, and Casanova said things about St. Germain that we mentioned in the other show. Yeah, he know? actually, I think, so, if I can paraphrase, he, he was, um, uh, he called St. Germain, uh, you know, uh, a wonderful liar. It was in the sense that yeah. it's like the pot it calling the kettle black. Takes one to know one. Yeah, kind of yeah. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, kind of interesting in that. But yeah, he basically rubbed elbows with just everybody you can think of it during his time. Yet and, after, and, he, and here these servants are. <laughs> and these servants are mocking him, yeah. you know, over a cup of coffee in the morning. Um, yet after all this time, he died at Chateau Dukov uh, with nothing to his name. He was pretty much forgotten, and his memories would, would soon be resurrected uh, in the future generations with his memoirs that resurfaced you know, many decades later. His last years must have been, of course, very difficult as, there was no longer, he, as he was no longer a virile man and his body was struggling with the passages of time. And maybe some of the effects, as we mentioned, of maybe some sexually transmitted diseases might have had some effects there as well. His writing of his life must have proved cathargic, though. He would have been the first to tell you of his successes and his failures with equal enough vigor. And Travis, I I think that this is where I would like to have met the man, that I think towards the later part of his life, he probably was more honest with himself and with others around him than he ever was before. And he he would take, uh, I think, a good measure of his life. And I think some of his writing and some of his uh, quotes that we're going to read to you in a few moments here kind of tell you that he's, he wants to kind of reconcile his sinful ways with God later in his life. Because remember, he studied also to be in the clergy at one point in his youth. Yep. So I can, you know, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, trying to make amends before uh, <laughs> before before the great judgment, I guess. <laughs> that, that you're right with God, maybe. I, I don't know what he was trying to do. But as I said, this is cathargic for him. He, he, he had to put these, the, the, the pen to paper and kind of get these things out. Travis, let's go through some of these, these quotes that I have here. We'll go back and forth here and read some of these quotes that I thought were, were very interesting from, um, from Casanova. I will begin with this confession. Whatever I have done in the course of my life, whether it be good or evil, it has been done freely. I am a free agent. Here's a, here's a couple that kind of show an outlook of his philosophy, let's say. One is, I don't conquer, I submit. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah right? Okay. Marriage is the tomb of love. Like marriages where love goes to die. <laughs> well, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. I've always loved truth so passionately that I have often resorted to lying as a way of introducing it into the minds which were ignorant of its charms. 
The heart and the head are the constituent parts of character. Temperament has almost nothing to do with it, and therefore character is dependent upon education and is susceptible of being corrected and improved. All right, so some of these quotes, uh, Travis, are things you could put on a, a poster. <laughs> you know, with the cat hanging, you know, mm-hmm. you know, by his claws, like hang in there. Or those uh, really bad uh, uh, business posters you see about perseverance, and there's a guy kayaking or something. I, I <laughs> you know, and some of these kind of give you more of an insight to his viewpoint to kind of justify his actions, I think, in a little bit. But you know, I I can't help but feel a little bit of pity for him towards the end of his life because. Um, as we find out, Casanova, of course, died, and when he died, it was June of, of 1798. His last words were, Great God and all witnesses of my death, I lived as a philosopher and die as a Christian. Now, I don't necessarily know if that really encompasses his life as, as an epitaph, well, but it, I think it's what he wants people to remember of him. I'll give you my final thought on this. When you upload this, mark it as explicit on iTunes. <laughs> And we kept it as clean as we possibly could. Uh, you know, Regardless. And, and another sad part about this, if you go up to the chateau uh, in Czech Republic, you're going to not find his grave. Count Wallstein, before he passed away, made preparations that when Casanova died, that there would be a giant cross buried to mark the side of his grave. But it was removed, and it, during the course of several hundred years, uh, we just don't know where he his final final resting place is on on those premises, but he is buried there somewhere. You can go up there and take a tour, and there'll be some tours about Casanova's uh, living area that, where we think he had lived, and where the library once was, where he did his work in cataloging the the thousands of books that were there. Uh, but uh, it it is a beautiful chateau. It just has this little side story about the last few years of Casanova's life. If you want to read more about Casanova's memoirs, remember, it's a lot of reading going on, it's a lot, um, and it has been translated into English. All 119 exploits. And it, like I said, he, to, in his words, he wants to balance it out between the good parts and the exciting parts of his life and the bad, reprehensible parts of his life. It's all there. I don't know how much is bragging. I don't know how much is, is uh, uh, truth-telling. But to say the least, it is a, a pretty good work about telling people of the time that he met Mm-hmm. You won't find that anyplace else. That, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that part's interesting. We want to thank you for listening to the Bohemian Podcast tonight. We'll be back with you later with more shows uh, dealing with the life in the Czech Republic from two American expats' point of view living in the great city of Prague. For Travis Dow, I'm Pete Coleman. Have a good evening. You have been listening to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Dow. Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes, and much more information about history, traditions, and culture in the Czech Republic. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, and review, and don't forget to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Send comments, ideas, and corrections on our comments page on bohemican.com, or get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes, or on historyofalchemy.com. Until next time on the Bohemian Podcast, thank you for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.